debtor to mercy alone. That is, my friend, the gospel. We are debtors to mercy, debtors to Christ, debtors to his love and his compassion and his grace. And for that we are so grateful before him. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Zechariah chapter 8. We are closing our series on worship this morning. We've been in it for about 10 weeks now, through the Christmas holidays even. We continue to press on and talk about worship. And now we're going to bring that, Lord willing, to a close this morning as we talk about the effects of true worship. The effects of true worship. If indeed worship is the supreme thing we are called to do, if indeed worship is what God has created us for, that we might be in His presence, that we might bow before His presence, and that we might worship Him, then if that is what is, we are created for, and that's what our most important duty is, then it will have, without a doubt, an enormous effect upon our life. Indeed, worship is that which transforms us in so many ways. Now, we know it's by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We know it's by the presence of Christ. We know it's by God's Word, and God's Word's a part of worship. But it's when we worship and when we truly look into the face of God through His Word and through Jesus Christ, when we, when we truly bow in His presence, that's when we really see effect taking place in our life that changes us. That's what the prophet Zechariah is talking about in these four little verses we're going to look at this morning, chapter 8, verses 20 through 23. It, it's a very simple passage. It's a passage that probably is neglected by many, but it kind of brings all the principles that we've talked about, I think, in the past few weeks together with clarity. You know, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is found in, in Psalm 22, verse 3 where the psalmist just simply there is praising God and worshiping God, and he says, And yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, or the praises of your people. King James says it like this, O thou that inhabitest, I can't hardly say that word, inhabitest the praises of Israel, inhabits the praises of his people. You know, there's just something about a church a body of believers that gather together and, and you know that when they sing those songs like a debtor to mercy, when they sing the songs like we've sung this morning that are, that are all so worshipful and so full of ex exalting Christ, like receive the glory and Lamb of God, when, when a group come together and they don't just mouth words to music, but they really express their hearts before God, there's something about that where you know the presence of God is dwelling. You can go into churches all over this country and see all the same ritual and all the same things done, and yet many times you can walk out of there and say, you know, I, I really just didn't sense anything. You might use the word feel. I, don't, I kind of cringe at that word, you know that. But, but, but you, you just don't sense that there's anything different about it. But when you go into a body of believers that have learned how to focus upon the presence of God and gaze upon His face and gaze upon His glory, then there's something about that where God is enthroned upon those praises. God inhabits those praises. And typically you walk out of there and you say, Wow, God was there. 
I just sensed His presence. I just knew there was something different. Because God inhabits the praises. God is enthroned upon the praises of His people, of His church, of the very people of God. Here's what Zechariah said in verse 20 of chapter 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, It will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one will go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of the Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Do you see the, do you see the impact of that statement? Do you, do you see the, the urgency with which Zechariah is speaking the word of God about coming together and worshiping together and praying together and, and what result that will ultimately have? One of the great signs of God's presence among his people is that they will take great interest in worship. One of, the, one of the great signs in Scripture, and that's what he's talking about here when he says the inhabitants will go to one another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and let us go and seek the Lord of hosts and I will also go. There, there's an interest in worship among those people in whom the Lord Jesus Christ is at work. There's not a casualness about it. There's not a passé attitude toward it but rather there is an interest in we must be together we must go together let us go at once and entreat the favor of the Lord let us go and pray together let us go and worship together the the word that's mentioned here does mention something like a prayer meeting it it seems to indicate that they have a sense of their needs their their spiritual needs their internal needs they have a sense of those but they also have a desire for heavenly things they want to know the presence of God. Some commentators have even taken that little phrase, seek the Lord of hosts, that second statement there, let us go and entreat favor with the Lord and go and seek the Lord of hosts to be talking about or to be translated this way, to seek the doctrine or instruction of Yahweh. You see, worship is not just expression, but worship is also hearing. Worship is not just praising, although that is a major part of it, but it also hearing, hearing from the Word and hearing from what God has said through those who proclaim His Word. Wednesday night, we took a little journey. I got kind of sidetracked Wednesday afternoon, and I was working on some stuff, and I got a call from, from Melissa, and she said, you got to turn on the radio. And so I turned on the radio, and, and there... Uh, a friend of mine, Don Kistler, was discussing on this particular radio program one of the Puritan writers. They've just republished a book entitled uh, Taking Heaven by Storm. And, and it's by a, a, one of the Puritan writers, Thomas Watson, who just happens to be one of my favorites. Now, that's not Tom Watson the golfer. And it's not Tom Watson who heard Alexander Graham Bell say, you know, uh, Watson, I need you. Come quickly. No, this was Thomas Watson before any of them back in the 1600s, 
one of the great Puritan pastors, one of the great Puritan writers. And in this, past, in this book, Taking Heaven by Storm, he's, it's sort of subtitled The Christian Soldier. And it's talking about how we are equipped, how we are prepared for the daily battle. And we went through all the one of the chapters, chapter 3 on it, which talked about you know, things like, like reading the Word of God and the importance of reading God's Word. And we looked at all those, and I won't get into those today because we don't have time, but there was a second part of that chapter that talked about hearing the Word of God. It talked about a, a second duty of Christians is to, to hear. We must be, I love the way he says it, we must provoke ourselves in hearing the Word of God. We must provoke ourselves. We must push ourselves. We must encourage ourselves to go and hear the Word of God when it is being proclaimed. You know, not with ease, but going with literally, to, as the Puritans put it, I always like their language, we must go to hear the Word of God in order to do violence to ourselves. Now, you know, we don't talk like that today. We don't want to do violence to ourselves. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to, we want to you know, kind of dress up ourselves. We want our, ourselves to be pretty and comfortable and smell good and look right and all of those things. But the Puritans always talked about doing violence to ourselves. And Watson particularly loved that phrase. And all he's talking about there is, is doing battle in our life over sin. And we must hear the word if we're going to do real violence, if we're going to do real battle with sin in our own life. We have to come to the word preached. We come uh, realizing that it is the business of the highest importance. And we should stir ourselves up to hear with the greatest devotion. And that's what Zechariah is talking about here. Come, let us go. Come, let us quickly go and hear from God and worship God and beseech His favor and beseech His presence. Let us seek the doctrine and the instruction of Yahweh. Talking about hearing, Watson made several statements that kind of, uh, I guess, kind of hit home sometimes. He said, you know, we're so far from offering violence to ourselves in hearing when we come as if they were not at all concerned in the business of worship. They come to church more of custom than of conscience, Watson said. In other words, we're not doing battle in our life with, with sin. We're not, doing, we're not having a life-changing experience in worship if we just come to worship more out of custom than out of conscience. More out of saying, oh, it's Sunday morning, it's time to do what i got to do. Rather than saying, no, I must go. I must go be in the presence of God. We will never do violence to ourselves. We'll never win the battle over sin if we come just out of custom. He quoted Ezekiel 33, 31. It says, they come to you as a people. They come and set before you as my people. And they hear your words, but they do not do them. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth, and their heart goes after their gain, goes after other stuff. Watson said, we would tell them of a rich purchase or of some place of preferment they would diligently attend. If we'd tell them where they could go and get rich or tell them where they can go and be entertained, they would diligently attend. But when the word of life is preached... They disregard it. said so there's a second thing about hearing the word, and that is how far for, are they from offering violence to themselves in hearing who come to the word in a dull, drowsy manner. 
in his words, he says, as if they came to church to take a receipt to make them sleep. The word receipt there literally could be used a tonic or a, a pill in our day, I guess. They come to church drowsy. They come to church just casually, dull, as though they come just to get put to sleep. Watson says, you know, when we come to church, it's to feed. It's to worship, to praise, to exalt the living God, but it's to feed upon His Word. It's to be fed from the richness and the beauty and the value of God's Holy Word. He made a statement trying to be funny, as, and this is about as funny as the Puritans will ever get, by the way, although that's not true. They had a great sense of humor. They really did. He said, the Word is to feed. It is strange to sleep at meat. In other words, you know, have you ever been to a nice restaurant and ordered a nice steak or maybe just fixed one in your home and, and that nice steak is fed to you and placed in front of you and you go, Ugh. you know, it just, it's a strange thing to sleep at meat. No, when the meat is served, you dig into it with a vengeance. You, you, you devour it, you eat it, you, you chew it, and you, you just enjoy it. Watson says, you know, the, the worship, the word, that's your food. Strange. He says the word also judges. And, and sleepy hearers sit before the judge of, of, of all time. And they, it would be strange for a prisoner who's about to be judged to fall asleep there in the presence of the judge. I told him Wednesday night about going to he was in the year 2000. I was at the U.S. Supreme Court and uh, was there. My friend was arguing before the court, and it was an abortion case uh, dealing with, uh, which we'll talk about abortion next week on Sanctity of Life Sunday, but it, it, was, it was an abortion clinic case, and, and Jay was arguing, and I was sitting on the front row of the, of the gallery there, right behind the, the, the bench, right behind the, the, the lawyer's tables. And I just happened to be sitting next to the owner of the abortion clinic that was involved in this. And she was sitting there, and I was sitting there, and I was listening as the, the justices were throwing their questions at the attorneys. You know, it's not like you see on Law and Order. You know, they all give their... You start out with something, you've got a 30-minute presentation ready, but about two minutes into the presentation, if you get that far, the justices start throwing questions at you. You've got to answer those. Well, we're sitting, I'm enjoying watching the sparring going on. And I noticed the lady next to me, the owner of the abortion clinic, she's kind of doing this. She's kind of... And she finally lost it, and she lost the battle, and she went like this. Well, seated right behind the attorney's tables were two marshals. And as she fell asleep, one of the marshals just very quietly and very gently and very carefully rose from his chair, walked over, squared off right in front of her, and reached around and took her on the shoulders and went, we don't do that in here. And he went, and he sat back down. You just don't go to sleep before the judge. And, and, and Watson says how foolish it is to come before the Word of God in a drowsy and a dull manner as though you came to take a sleeping pill and go to sleep. He said, remember the devil is never asleep but sows the tares of sin in the drowsy heart. I like that statement. He sows the tares of sin in the drowsy heart. 
He says, remember this when you come to the Word, when you come to worship, when you come to seek the doctrine or instruction of Yahweh. Remember four things. Remember, first of all, it is God that speaks to us. It is God who speaks to us. It's not just a preacher preaching. Well, in some cases it may be. But if he's in the Word, exposing the Word, it's God who is speaking. Don't ever forget that. Secondly, let us consider the weightiness of the matters that are delivered to us. Let us consider the weightiness. This is the weight of God's Word. All heaven and earth are, are to record this day that has been set before us. And God takes this time seriously, and we should too. Thirdly, if the Word is not regarded, it will not be remembered. If the Word is not regarded, it will not be remembered. In other words, if you just casually take in the Word, you'll forget the Word. And when you need what that Word teaches, you'll, it'll flounder. Watson had another little statement there I liked. He said, you know, many complain they cannot remember what the Word says, what the sermon said, and they, they just complain, I can't remember. I don't have the ability to remember. He said, here's the reason. God punishes their carelessness in hearing with forgetfulness. You ever thought about that? Your forgetfulness is God's punishment for not being attentive, for not being eager, for not being ready. Then finally he said, remember, it may be the last time that God will ever speak to us in His Word. Maybe the last sermon we'll ever hear it. it may, we may go from this place of hearing to the place of judging in the blink of an eye. I love the Puritans. They're just so honest and so straightforward, just as the Word of God is. We must understand that one of the great signs of God's presence is that His people take interest in worship. Second great sign of worship is this, is that they stir each other up to attend to the means of grace in worship. In other words, he says here, they say to one another, they speak to one another. They say, listen, let's go. Come with me. Let's go and treat the favor of the Lord. Let's go at once and be with the Lord. Let's go and hear what the Lord has to say. They, they talk to one another. They don't just say, oh, well, I'm not going to bother him or I'm not going to bother her. Maybe they don't want to go to worship today, so I'll just let it go. No, there's an eagerness. There's a talking to one another. There's a, there's a saying, let's go together. Thirdly, Zechariah makes clear that there is a, there is an they, they attend to these exercises eagerly by the word there in verse 21 that says, At once, let us go at once. Let us go now. It's urgent. It's time. Let's go into the presence of God and worship Him. Not drowsily, not dull, not sleepily, but eagerly to see the presence of God at once. You know, this also means to go heartily, not only eagerly, but to go with, with a whole heart. When is the best time to seek the face of the Lord? It's today. It's right now. When is the best time to repent of sin? Well, it's today. It's right now. When is the best time to, for a cold heart to be warmed by the presence of God and by seeking the face of God? It's today. When is the best time for a backslider to return to the living God 
Well, it's today. But when do we want to do it? Tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Remember, Watson said, be diligent, be understanding that you may go from this place of hearing into the place of judgment immediately. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no certainty of tomorrow. Truth is, we may never have it. So verse 22 says, So many peoples and mighty nations will come and seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, that is, in the place of worship, and entreat the favor of the Lord. He said, it's not going to just be the church. It's, and understand, when you hear Israel here, when you hear, understand that's the, the Israel of God, the people of God. As Paul talked about it, the new Israel, who've been grafted in as a part of the promises and a part of the covenant. So it's not just going to be them. It's going to spread to many nations and many tribes and tongues. And, and they're all going to want to come. They're going to want to know what is different about that. You see, I believe part of the reason that, that Christianity is in such disrepair today is because the people have not experienced true worship around the Word of God. So God's not enthroned on their praises. God's not inhabiting their praises. So when people walk in and they walk out, they say, well... Might as well have gone to a Rotary Club meeting or a football game. Yeah, There's probably more excitement at a football game than many churches. That's sad. It's tragic. But Zechariah, God says to Zechariah, when the people of God are truly worshiping, when their hearts are really on fire, one of the effects is people will begin to see it. And verse 23 it says, And in these days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of God's people and say, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Oh, wow. When's the last time somebody grabbed your coat? Or grabbed your shirt tail and said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going where you're going. Because I've heard that God is with you. I've seen it in your lifestyle. I've seen it in your commitment. I've seen it in your love. I've seen it in your compassion. I've seen that God is with you. And I don't know God, but I've got to know Him. I want to know Him. And I'm going to grab hold of you. And I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Because I've heard and I've seen and I've noticed that there's something uniquely different when we worship that's what happens when we worship God and we are changed by that encounter with the living God I want you to know people will start seeing it they'll start noticing it they'll, they'll literally see a difference in your life and they'll literally grab hold of you and say I want to go to church with you because I've heard that God is with you and God is with your church and God is there and I've got to hear it I've got to know it I've got to see it because I need him. See, we Southern Baptists, and, and boy, I'm going to get in trouble saying this. I realize that. Don't get mad at me. But we have so turned it upside down. We've so said, you know, everything's about evangelism. Everything's about missions. And everything else will just kind of take care of itself. No. Listen, evangelism and missions are important. But the power for evangelism and the power for missions 
And the motivation for evangelism and the motivation for missions don't just come out of a, a, a sort of a, I'm a good guy, so I'm going to go do it. They come out of a person and out of a church and out of a people that are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And when we are worshiping God, we only want to obey God. When we are worshiping God, we only want to do what God has said. And when we are worshiping God, that motivates and empowers and strengthens us to share the gospel with those we look around us and we know need the gospel. Worship will do that to you. Worship will change your heart. Worship will change your life. Worship will affect everything about you. That's what Zechariah, that's what God is saying through Zechariah. You know, my, my desire is that we become such a worshiping people that all over Somerset, in spite of all the junk that's been said, it will be so overshadowed by, man, we hear that God is at work among you. We hear that you worship Him in spirit and in truth. We hear that your, 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 your attention is focused upon Him and upon His Word. Man, we want to know about this God. We want to know Him because we've seen Him active in your life. We've seen Him real in your life. I'm going to grab your coat. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to let you go. Till you've told me about this one Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let you go until you've told me about the power of the gospel. I'm not going to let you go Till I see the glory of your God. Oh. I don't know about you, that gives me cold chills. That'll really send a tingle up your spine. Let's pray. Father, we're well, we are just awed by your goodness. We are awed by your grace. We are captivated by your presence. And Lord, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to say to you, Lord, with the psalmist, receive the glory, not to us, O God, not to us, but to you alone be the glory. And Lord, let us reflect that glory every day we live. We want to sing to you, O Lord, that you are the precious Lamb of God. And we want to sing with Top Lady, written... 1771 we are a debtor to mercy as he was a debtor to mercy several hundred years ago so Lord we are a debtor to mercy today Father I pray that your Holy Spirit will move among us 
I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction. First, Lord, in the lives of your people. Because even though our sins are covered by the blood of Christ, even though there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, we rejoice in that, Lord, but we know that our sin affects our walk. Touch us, Father, and cleanse us. And then, Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in the lives of men and women who don't know you. That, Lord, you would draw them, open their eyes to see their need for a Savior, open their hearts to believe, and draw them to Christ as the only Savior. The only way, the only truth, the only life. Father, then affect us so much that our worship changes our heart completely. Fathers, we sing this hymn, Speak to My Heart. That's our prayer. By Your Word and by Your Holy Spirit, O Lord, speak to our heart. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.